Houston. A little bit of computer not know how. And uh, an early introduction of our guest preacher for today, Philip Wood. We'll call on him in a little bit. Psalm 8, verse 9 says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. If you have a prayer request, just fill out the slip in the bulletin and... Uh, Fill out the slip in the bulletin and pass it in during the offering. And we'll pray for you today and throughout the week as well. Every week, the shelf in the lobby is there for you to drop off food donations. Such at the end of the month, we'll be taken over to our partner in this ministry, His Helping Hands. Another ministry that we're partnered with is Treehouse Ministries. And uh, that's extra change for the needs of mothers in their need and their babies. And if you don't have one of the milk bottles that take it home and put your change in there. You can put some change in one of the bottles out in the lobby. For the week, all the Bible studies here at Har Harvest, Westminster Confession is the subject for the Sunday morning Bible study over in room 303. Uh, Children's Sunday School at 920. We have a prayer meeting here at the church. Or no, that's, that's yours, I guess. Yeah. That'll be at 5 o'clock this evening. Uh, I have Bible study Monday morning at 7.30. Uh, I'm not sure about that one since Dave is gone, but uh, that's the normal schedule. And Men's Tuesday <coughs> is at 7.30 here in the sanctuary. Uh, Survey of the Bible is the uh, uh, Wednesday evening prayer group, and they have been on a little bit of a sabbatical, so we'll have to see when they start back up again. The Manchet Bible study is Wednesday and Friday at 6 a.m. Coming up, uh, Good Friday services, uh, the end of week after next, uh, be a breakfast service at 7 o'clock, West Branch YMCA. And if you'd like to uh, sponsor an Easter lily for uh, somebody that has passed on in your family or somebody who's still living that you want to honor, uh, the sign-up sheet is on the table in the lobby. Uh, this year's cost is $10 per plant. And, of course, they will be here in, in front of the service on Easter Sunday. And then you can take her home, or any that are not taken home, you go over to one of the retirement centers. Psalm 47, verse 1 says, Come, everyone, clap your hands, shout to God with joyful praise, for the Lord Most High is awesome. He is the great King of all the earth. One of the most widely known of our hymns is the Old Rugged Cross, which was written by George Bernard in 1913. The scripture reference for this great hymn is Hebrews 12, 2, which says, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, half scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. As you're able, please rise and join us as we open our worship. <laughs>
does good, not even one. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The good news is that we are all justified freely by God's grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus to be received by faith. Join me now in a common prayer of confession. God of all wisdom, strength, and understanding, we come to you with desperate hearts that need your forgiveness. We have allowed ourselves at times to become listless in recognizing your presence in our lives. We act as if you are just our utility when we need something from you, or our advisor when we have a big decision to make. We might need your take on it, but we'll make the final decision. We admit there have been times we have foolishly thought that you need us and our help, yet we forget that you are totally self-sufficient, not needing us for anything. Oh God, knowing this, it makes your grace and love even more meaningful because you never had to do anything, but instead you gave it all. We are forever grateful. Assurance of forgiveness this week from Colossians 1.13. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Our guidelines for living comes from Matthew 22.37. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first greatest commandment. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. <coughs> Once again, as you're able, please rise and join us as we continue our worship.
Pastor Phil, I forgot one thing. I'm just to ask you to do the prayer for the offering after I read the information on the hand. <laughs> Nothing like that, no. While many people may believe the hymn in the garden refers to the garden of Eden in Genesis, it actually stems from John 20, 10 to 18, where Jesus appears to Mary Magdalene after his resurrection. Verse 1 describes Mary coming to the tomb early in the morning. Verse 2 is Mary's response to Jesus' voice speaking to her. And verse 3 is Mary's desire to stay there with Jesus. The words and music were written by C. Austin Miles, Let's just pray together. I'm a little, little, little loud here, but we'll do it. <laughs> so, Father, we thank you so much for the many gifts that you give us. And Lord, as we just prepare to bring a small portion back to you, we ask that you receive these, and that, and we just want to say thank you. This is our way of saying thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>
Good morning. Good morning. I'm allowed, aren't I? Howard's going to go back there and adjust me. It's a bit like a back work. Get myself adjusted. So uh, you'll need that because I'll probably go up a little bit once I get going. As I understand it, this is the time for prayer. Is that right? It's sort of a time of intercession on behalf of uh, those that are in your hearts. So anyway, just so we get some clarity here and you're trying to figure out where I'm from, I do have a speech impediment that I practiced for 16 years before moving here from Australia. So there's where it comes from. So I'll give some clarity to that. But uh, let's just pray together and uh, ask God's blessing here. Father, I, I thank you so much for your presence in this place. And Lord, we just want to lift up Pastor Dave today. We would pray that you would bless him on his travels and keep him safe. Lord, I'm sure there's others that are known to individuals in this room that are in a place of suffering or hurting. And Lord, we would ask that you would touch them in this moment in a special way. Even though you're here, you're there with them. And we ask that you would impart healing or comfort whatever the need is at this hour. And for those gathered in this room now, Lord, I would ask that you would impart your grace and your love and your encouragement today in such challenging times. And may you strengthen our faith by your word and by your presence among us. We ask in the name of Jesus. And everybody said... Okay, you're not used to doing that, I bet, are you? <laughs> so, all right. Well, let's see. We, we've uh, got all kinds of interesting technical challenges. There's me. All right, so we got that going here. Oh, there we go. So, uh, well, I'm delighted to be here. I want to introduce my wife. Kathy, can you stand up so everybody can see you? There's Kathy. She's, she's the quiet one. That's right. That's right. She's the quiet one. She's the... I always... Uh, don't always introduce Kathy because then I, she outshines me. So I, I, as they say, married up in many ways. So uh, Kathy and I were uh, together in high school many years ago. Did I have to dismiss the kids or anything? Okay, no, okay, great. Well, I appreciate these singers down here. You did a great job today. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm up here. Dave, Dave is great. He just says, okay, just take care of everything. I said, okay, what does that look like? So, <laughs> so here we are. So... Uh, It'll be interesting in the second service, Sandy, I hear you're staying around, is that right? So, good, good, I've got to have someone here. Um, anyway, Kathy and I met back in high school when I came here. I went to Southeast High School, she was way down the front, I was way in the back. I didn't say a thing, Kathy was um, talking all the time, that's right. But, and we didn't know each other and then like, uh, or didn't know each other really, just knew who each other was, and then uh, 10 years later, Kathy visited a church where I was pastoring, and uh, she uh, came forward and decided asked to join the church. And I had to. She was a Methodist background, so I had to talk with her about immersion, about getting immersed, and that kind of thing. And and so I was responsible for what is called the follow-up. 
in the church, following up people who are interested in joining the church. So guess what? I really followed Kathy up. And uh, we've been married now over 42 years, just celebrated 42 years. So we've been having fun. So, and we plan to have it for a few more years at this point. I want to give a special shout out here to uh, uh, Luann, our tax lady down here, <laughs> who has become intimately acquainted as a dear friend and uh, uh, one that, not just from our taxes, we've had some shared experiences that uh, helping a particularly older lady that Luann cares about and I just have great appreciation for her and as I'm sure many of you do too as well. So I was thinking of David uh, being out in New Jersey. Maybe you don't know that's where he is. He's out there in New Jersey and I'm sure he's going to be flying back and, uh, <clears throat> and I don't know if anybody's in here a little afraid of flying. Flying's a little crazy. I had a time when I was flying back into Wichita. I can't remember exactly where from, but it was very windy. There was a tornado around in the area. We were literally on the approach coming in and the plane, you know how it is, doing this kind of thing and going backwards and forwards. And we're coming into Wichita like this. And then instead of landing, we go, takes up and off we go again. We gone and we got a free trip to Tulsa. How about that? We flew all the way down to Tulsa, had to wait down there for about an hour or so, and then turn around and come back. So uh, we finally landed. There was an airline pilot that uh, was, uh, wrote about a particular flight that he had. Uh, and he had to bring it around, and he had to literally, what is called, hammer it into the, uh, the landing, so to speak. He had to hammer in really hard, he said. The airline had a policy which required the first officer to stand at the door while the passengers exited, smile and give them a thanks for flying on the, our airline. So he said that in the light of this bad landing, he had a hard time wanting to stand at the door and greet people, a, a feeling like someone's going to make us some kind of cute remark. So finally, everyone had gotten off the, except for a little lady walking with a cane. She said, sir, do you mind if I ask you a question? Why no, ma'am, said the pilot. What is it? The little old lady said, did we land or were we shot down? <laughs> so, uh, so today the title of my message is, do not let your heart be troubled. And there's a scripture, I'm not going to necessarily read it, but just begin with the first part. It says, do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. And I imagine many of you are familiar with this particular passage that comes to the end. It says, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. No one comes to the Father. So, all right, look at that. Fancy. So, uh, I, w I was watching Dave online, and I wondered, why is he looking down so much? Well, the reason is because the monitor's right down here. So, uh, now I know the trick. And so I'm going to, does he, does he set this out at all? Like out here? Or no, I guess not. It doesn't move. <laughs> so I'm used to one sort of in the back. And so I may have to step back and look over here from time to time. I want to say this to you today, that God cares about your heart. Do not let your heart be troubled. And the Lord can help you with your heart and potentially, and you know, the number one disease in our country is heart disease. 
The heart is used in scripture, and this is from uh, Jay Stoll. He said, the heart is used in scripture as the most comprehensive term for the authentic person you are in your heart. It's a part of our being where we desire, deliberate, and decide. It's been described as the place of conscious and decisive spiritual activity. The comprehensive term for a person as a whole, their feelings, their desires, their passions, their thoughts, understanding, and will. It's a center of the person. We live, would you agree, in a day of trouble? Deeply concerning. And I see there's people here in this room that have lived in America for many years. I was not born in America, as I said. I was born and raised in Australia and came over here in 1969 on a very slow boat from Australia, I might add. It took 30 days <laughs> on a ship. And uh, as a young 16, 15-year-old, I found every possible place on that ship. So did my brother. In uh, about 2008, I became naturalized. That may means I became a United States citizen. And I want to tell you, the people in Australia have great respect for the United States of America, as does much of the world. You're basically responsible for saving Australia from the onslaught from the Japanese invasion coming down from the north. And this is a great country. My father always had a vision to come over here and preach in this country. And that's what brought us over here. And uh, he's always had a love for this country and that love has been passed on to us. And even though I greatly love Australia and so forth, I, I love this country. And people that come over here, people want to come to this country. But we're in a day of trouble. You read the headlines, and I'm just looking through Epic Times, which I read from time to time. Martin Kludorf says how to dismantle the cartel of public health funding and rekindle open scientific inquiry. Dr. Ryan Cole, alarming cancer trends suggest COVID-19 vaccines alter natural immune responses. Cheryl Atkinson says how propagandists co-opted with fact-checkers, quote-unquote, and the press to control the information landscape. Is it true that most of us in this room have a difficulty of knowing who to trust when it comes to the news media? Some difficult things. We can go on and talk about inflation as we watch our gas prices going up. The border crisis, which is a crisis but is so often tried to be covered up, and the crisis looks like it's going to increase. Increasing anti-Christian bias. I'm a teacher. I teach as an adjunct professor at Friends University. And I find increasingly that the students there, some have never had any exposure whatsoever to the Bible, to church, or to Christian teaching. And that's becoming growing. Increasing numbers of students are becoming openly, as they would say, atheist or at least agnostic. I have some in my class at this present time that openly admit they have difficulty believing the Bible or even in the reality of God. This is our nation. And it's deeply concerned. Russia-Ukraine conflict. And then the big one that's really rocking this nation lately has been Will Smith slapped Chris Rock. Now that is a real rocket, you know, blasting situation. Just absolutely crazy that that becomes the headlines. And we could go on. I haven't even got to the LGBTQ and on it goes. So what is the Lord's word to his church today? And hear very clearly, this is what he says. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Now that's a command. That is a command. You must do that. So let's talk about that a little bit. The word 
Troubled is the word terrazzo, which means to agitate or to stir up. It's the idea of water being stirred. You remember when Jesus healed the man that was by the pool of Siloam? He says, my problem is I can't get to the water while it's stirred up by the angels. Now, that's exactly the term that's used. However, in this particular verse, it's in what is called the present passive imperative. Now, an imperative is a command. That means Jesus expects you to do it. But it's interesting, it's in the passive, what is called the passive voice. In other words, that's where it's done to you. So we could translate it this way. Don't let anything upset your heart. You need to take responsibility for that. There's going to be many things that are going to attempt to upset your heart. But you've got to take responsibility for controlling your heart. Don't let yourself be drawn into worry. Don't let you be drawn into the concerns of the world. The Bible says, do not be conformed to this world. And that means all the worries of this world and all the concerns. I pray that there's people in this room who do not look at the news first every day. I hope you look into the real news, the word of God. That's where the real news is. You know what's going to happen at the end. Then look at the news. First, the word of God. Second, the news of the day. You understand? You can say amen if you want to. <laughs> you know, um, so, and I love the nods and the smiles, so keep them coming. All right, I love all that. So, is there a sense of agreement? Don't let your heart be troubled. Would you agree that certainly needs to be a message today? Amen? It sure is. So the question is, then how do we do that? And we're going to be dealing with that today. The context of this particular um, statement. Say, well, what came before it? What came before it? Well, it's John 13. And uh, oh, look at this. John 13. Is it up there for you? Mm, it's kind of dark, but you got the idea. And it's interesting. Jesus was meeting. He'd washed the feet of the disciples. He'd got them in. This is the Last Supper. Okay, he's gathered with them. and had quite a conversation with them, I might add. And that's where he basically said, I'm going to die. And I'm going to leave. And needless to say, the disciples were quite troubled about all of that. Really. Hmm. Then he says, something else really troubles me. And Jesus uses the term. You see in verse 27 there, he says, when he had said this, he became troubled. Jesus came troubled in spirit. So he was troubled. The word is used about Jesus. He says, and testify, truly I say to you, that one of you will betray me. Would that trouble you? Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been betrayed by someone? You, you shared with them something very personal? And they ratted you out? Or hurt you? Have you been betrayed? I have. Not by Kathy, thank God. She could do it in a big way. I might add too. But she didn't. But Jesus was troubled by this. And then as we go towards the end of the chapter, we see in verse chapter 13, verse 33, Jesus says, I've got to go away. And, and Peter says to him, Lord, where are you going? And, uh, and Jesus said, where I go, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow later. And Peter said, Lord, why can I not follow you right now? I'll lay down my life for you. I'll do whatever it takes to stay with you. And Jesus answered and said to him, will you really lay your life down for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, a rooster will not crow until you deny me three times. Can I ask you a question? How was Peter feeling at that point? Do you think his heart was a little troubled? 
And you remember in, other, in the other gospels, he says, no, seriously, I'm going to lay my life down. I am not going to let go. And he says, you'll deny me three times. And then so Jesus in John records right then, he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Guys, I know someone's going to betray us among us, betray me. And Peter, I just told him he's going to deny me three times. But I'm telling you, don't, just don't be troubled. Keep calm. And, uh, and then he goes on and basically explains what, how does that take place. So we're going to talk about uh, <laughs> three keys toward an untroubled heart. Because it's possible to have an untroubled heart. You know, the Bible teaches a lot about don't worry. Isn't that like someone telling you don't breathe? <laughs> it's hard not to worry, isn't it? There's so much to worry about. Particularly when you think about your kids and your grandkids and what's going on in your finances so often. But here's three things we're going to talk about. Number one, believe in God and also believe in me. Believe in the reality of heaven. Number three, believe in and follow the way. And the way, of course, is Jesus. <laughs> Notice that first phrase when we talk about believe in, I, I'm saying you believe in and focus on these things. Believe in God, believe also in Jesus. So, let's talk about the first one. Believe into God and Jesus. Now, you notice back here, if I can go back, notice that E-I-S. See, in the Greek, there is two different words for in. You don't see it in English. One is E-N. That just is the simple in. But when you see E-I-S, that means into. That means you just, it's not a matter of believing about someone. It is a matter of believing into them. Kathy, I need you to come up here and, uh, and I want to illustrate in front of all these people what I mean by that. And she's not ready for this, but that's all right. I like to keep her on the edge of her seat. So, uh, so now some of you, believe before Kathy showed up here, you believe that she did exist. You, you don't believe in her, but you believe that she exists. Would you trust Kathy? Anyone, put your hands up if you would trust Kathy. Anybody here trust Kathy? Yeah, there's a few. They're a little hesitant. They're like, they don't, why, why don't you trust her? Because you don't know her. And this is appropriate, you know, depends on what she asked. You don't know her. Even though you believe and you say, well, she's probably trustworthy. And that's the way sometimes people are with regard to Jesus. Would you stand up for a moment? That's good. I'm just a little taller than she is. Good things come in small packages. <laughs> now, I can shake hands with her. Can I shake hands? There we go. And, and we're an acquaintance, you know, or I can, you know, we know each other, or I can give her a hug. I'm not going to go any further than that. <laughs> okay. Now, we are literally into each other here. We have relationship. We share love. When we talk, you're free to go and sit wherever you want. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so when we're talking about believing into God, believe also into Jesus, we're talking about hug love. You know what I mean? Is really embracing him. It's not just like having this idea, well, yeah, he's out there and I believe in him and I go to church and I read the Bible and that kind of thing. No. Do you really know him? Not just know about him. And it's interesting. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes. Listen to this. Into him. There's the word. Will have the gift of eternal life. 
And so when he says, believe in God. Now let me ask you this question. Is it possible? Do you know people in here or do you know people at all that believe in God, but they're really not sure about Jesus? Anybody know that? There's a lot of people in Wichita that are like that. A lot of people in the world believe in God that don't believe in Jesus. And he's now, I want you to believe also into me. So believe in God and also believe in Jesus. Remember Saul of Tarsus? Uh, hey, look at this. There we go. Saul of Tarsus. You know who he, what did he become? Saul of Tarsus became Paul the apostle. And he believed in God. But guess what? How did he feel about Jesus? Can anyone answer that? He hated him. In fact, he hated Jesus so much that he pursued all his followers with the idea, I'm going to stump them out. Is it possible to truly love God and hate Jesus? Well, Paul thought it was. But as we study the word of God, we realize if you do not love Jesus, you do not know or love God. So the question is, then, well, <laughs> what do we specifically believe? What do we believe? Now, let me tell you this. I could follow you around for a week and you could follow me around. At the end of the week, I know what you believe. I don't care what you confess. By me observing everything you do during the week, I know what you believe. I'll know whether you're a KU follower or not. <laughs> Did anybody watch the game last night? Do we have any believers in here? A few, yeah. <laughs> okay. And so uh, I can tell. But Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? See, what you believe is revealed by what you do. Are you in the word of God every day? Really? Do you love his words? Do you live by faith? Or do you live by fate? See, a lot of Christians live by fate. Whatever will be, will be. I just sort of hang on and try to do good and try to pray a little bit. Don't live that way. You live by faith. You live with confidence. You live because you know God has got everything under control. You don't worry about the climate. My goodness, how stupid is that? God has got that all under control. And if you can't believe God has the climate under control, how can you trust him for your life? Dear brothers and sisters, do not believe the junk the world is trying to impose on your mind and manipulate you in so many ways. But listen. He says, believe, secondly, I want to talk about, he says, you believe in the reality of heaven. The only way you're going to have a positive effect on earth is to have a clear understanding of what heaven's all about. Do you have that? He says, in my father's house are many dwelling places. The word house is simply big place. Now, when you look to the book of Revelation, you say, what's God's house look like? It's described as a city. And the word monos is the word residences. King James, you like that, don't you? Mansions. In my father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. And Jesus says, I'm going to go there and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, guess what? I will come back and get you. And take you to be there. To be together with him. In John 17, verse 24, Jesus said, Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me be with me where I am, so that they may see my glory, which you have given me, for you love me before the foundation of the world. You say, Jesus, do you really like it down here with your disciples? He says, I like it. But it's nothing compared to what it's going to be like when I get up there with them. I can't wait. 
Let me ask you a question. Are you looking forward to heaven? I mean, really looking forward to it. As wonderful as the place is, and heaven's going to be absolutely wonderful, but you know the most wonderful thing about heaven? Is the presence of the Father. The presence of Jesus. As I said, 1969, we all jumped on a ship and came to America. Never seen it. For a little kid, 15-year-old, I didn't even know it existed, except I'd heard about it. But it was real. And I came over here, and the reason I came, because I came with my mom and my dad and my family. And I was with them. Let me ask you a question. Do you really believe heaven truly exists? It's out there? Yeah? Some of you in here possibly have doubts. You're not sure. Let me ask you a question. Does Australia really exist? How many in this room have been there? Oh, I've got one. You've been down there. Where did you go? What city? Melbourne. That's where my mum and dad were born. Anybody else been to, to Australia? Okay, let me ask the rest of you then. Does it really exist? It does. How do you know? Well, now you know because there's a guy that was there. Came and told you. It really exists. Did you know that heaven exists? How? Because someone came from there to tell us it really does exist. And that's where life really begins. That's where life really begins. And Jesus says, I'm going there. I'm going to prepare a place for you. Do you believe that? Do you believe Jesus is preparing a place for you? He's preparing a place for me. My place is not like your place. But it's going to be a nice place. And really, I don't care a whole lot about the place because I'm excited about the person that I'm going to be with and all the people I'm going to be with. And he said, let's go further. How about 2 Corinthians 5, 6 through 8? This is Paul's statement. He says, therefore, being always of good courage. Do you feel like you're always of good courage, encouraged, or do you struggle sometimes with being down? I've tried both being down and depressed and being up and upbeat. You know which one I like the best? Yeah, being upbeat. And I've discovered over the years that that's my choice. See, rejoicing is a choice. Joy is a choice. Nobody can take that away from me. And Paul, in the midst of his sufferings, and you know, he, he says, I'm always of good courage. I've always got courage inside of me. I'm always upbeat. He says, well, how do you do that, Paul? He says, and knowing that while we're at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord. Look, we walk by faith, not by sight. And then he says this, look. We are of good courage. You say, Paul, how do you do this? I prefer rather to be absent from the body and be at home with the Lord. I can't wait to get there. How about Philippians chapter 1? For me to live is Christ and to die is what? To die is gain. You mean to say it's better than grandkids? No way. Absolutely. Heaven is better than grandkids. Whatever the greatest thing. Heaven is better than KU winning the national championship. Although that's pretty good. Heaven's the better. And does your focus on heaven? For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I'm to live on in the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me. I do not know which to choose. I'm really torn here. But I am hard pressed from both directions, having the desire to depart and be with Christ. For that is very much better. Yet to remain here is better for your sake. That's why I'm here. And then he goes on and he says, believe and follow the way. And he said to, he said to his disciples, you know the way. You know the way where I'm going. And good old Thomas, guess who speaks up? We call him Doubting Thomas, don't we? I like to call him Realistic Thomas. Remember, he was absent. He was out at McDonald's having a hamburger when Jesus showed up the first time. And guess what? The disciples said, Tom, come on 
You're not going to believe. Don't we always say that? You're not going to believe what happened. He says, what is it? He says, Jesus is alive. He says, no way. I saw him die. He's done. And he says, unless I can scientifically see the marks in his hands and put my hand in his fist. No, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it at all. And then you know the rest of the story, don't you? And Jesus showed up and he said, my Lord, my God. And Thomas said, now, wait a minute, Lord, can I interrupt here? Now, Peter is not going to interrupt. He's already in trouble with Jesus, it seemed like. So, uh, by the way, what time do you end? <laughs> That's a dangerous thing to say to a preacher. Don't ever say that. I think it, you basically finish at 10. Is that right? Okay, basically, okay. Well, we're not going to finish this, you know that, because I'm just getting warmed up. <laughs> You'll have to come back to the second session. No. <laughs> but let me, he said, Lord, we do not know where you're going. So how do we know the way? Okay, let me, all right, what's the way? I'm going to skip a few things, because I want to get to this. Basically this, as I finish this up. Jesus says, I am. Now, I could have stopped right there. I am is really, and you don't see this in English because the word I is not always there with the verb in the, in, the, in, in the Greek. But in this situation, he says, I am. Remember, that was a term for God. Jesus says, I am. And he goes on, he says, I am the way. If you want to know how to get to heaven, you've got to have me. I've got to be in you and you've got to be in me. We have got to be married and we've got to be hug lovey you see what i'm saying we have to be in relationship i made a covenant with this woman 42 plus years ago you must do the same thing with jesus christ enter into this intimate relationship with him it's not enough just to come to church and read you do all those things like i have to take the trash out and do a lot of things because i love this woman <laughs> and provide we do a lot of things and we do a lot of things together Jesus says, I am the way, and I want you to come with me. Follow me. Be with me. I am the way, and guess what you're going to discover? You're going to discover the truth, at least the truth. You know what the alethes is a Greek word. It means not concealed. It's reality. It's only through Jesus Christ you know the truth. And today, we don't know what the truth is. We're in a place we can't trust our leaders. We're in a place we cannot trust the media. And if you do, you're easily deceivable. And let me say about everybody in this room, including myself, we are all deceivable. Do not think the most deceivable person is the person who believes they cannot be deceived. The devil is smarter than all of us in this room. And do not think that you can, with your own reasoning, outthink the devil. You cannot. There is a demonic intelligence over this world that you need to be aware of. And that will increase right up until the end times. It is moving towards a global end, which is described in detail in the book of Revelation. Don't be naive. This is a time when we need to be very close to Jesus Christ. And deeply involved. And this will lead you to life. You'll have a smile on your face. Even if you walk into a grocery store. And some of the things that you look for are not there. That's alright. Jesus is in control. As we see the gas prices going. That's alright. Jesus is in control. I'm not going to let it get me down. I'm not going to complain. And this is the gift of eternal life. So the final destination. And this is very important to understand. No one comes to the Father. 
And boy, that's the reward of life, to come to the Father. No one comes to the Father except through me. And it is Jesus and Paul, I mean Peter, when he was preaching, said, and there is no, and there is salvation and no one else. But there's no other name under heaven. Not Allah, not Muhammad, not Buddhists, not any other religion. There's only one name under heaven by which a man or a woman can be saved. The only name by which we must be saved. The world and the devil would like to try to put that out of your thinking and believe there is other ways to God. There is only one way to God and eternal life. It is Jesus Christ and him alone. Okay, <laughs> okay let's see. He can say it one more time. He can say amen to that when you say, Jesus Christ alone. Amen. Okay, something on the way. But you are getting pounded today and you have been for the last 30, 40 years, there's many ways. You just got to love everybody. Just believe there's many ways. There is not. There is one way, and it is the written word of God. This book is the, uh, is the most highest selling book in the world and has been through all the generations. The world is clamoring for this book in nations where they don't have it. I've put out there one thing I'd love to talk about, and I'm finishing up with this. You need to be in this book every single day. I put out there, just simply, I notice you have a reading strategy out there. I, since I was first born again, age 10, my father said, you need to be in this book every day, Philip. I'm giving you milk. Dave Henyon, as good as he is, Pastor Dave, as good as he is, can only give you meat, milk. He doesn't give you, no preacher gives you meat. No one. Milk is pre-digested word. That's what I'm giving you. You've got to go get the meat yourself. Straight from the Lord himself. And he will speak to your heart. One chapter a day. I like to say, and I read one chapter a day. Kathy reads one chapter a day. We read the same chapter. <laughs> and then we share what we learn. I write down what he shows us. I hear his voice every day. I hear his voice every day through the words of this book. I may die tomorrow. I'm ready. I know many of you are too. Maybe all of you. Be ready. Be in this book. I put a little couple outlines out there. I always like to say my plan's better than the one you don't have. <laughs> so you don't have a plan to be in the Word of God every day. Spend time with the Lord. Since I was in college in my freshman year, I have not missed a day, by God's grace. And I don't say that to brag. I simply say, I'm in a place now, I'm more needy of a chapter a day today in my life than I've ever been in my life before. I'm more desperate to know Jesus and to be close to him than at any other previous moment of my life. And I pray you have the same passion and the same desire. You cannot make it in a passive way as a Christian anymore. You've got to be either all in or, frankly, get out of it and go have time and try to make some money, which is running away. So, all that being said, leads me to right communion. Is that right at this point? Is, do men come up here and uh, ready to serve it? How do we do that? Is that right? Okay, so can you guys come on up here that are going to hand that out? Because we're going to... Uh, Bring to closure here. I'm. We do the bread first. Do you, do you come up, or do I hand it to you here? I do. <laughs> oh, this is the, this is the juice over here, isn't it? Got to get the order right here.
<laughs> Do I hand this to you? Now, I'm going to say a few things. You guys hold it. Okay. Good. You remember on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he was sitting with his disciples, sharing the Passover. And that was the celebration of when the angel of death passed over, when they saw the mark on the door. The angel of death passed over. Jesus switched things up on that night. He says, no longer do we celebrate the Passover lamb. I am that lamb. Instead of eating the sheep, I want to share with you some bread. And he broke the bread and he says, this is my body which is broken for you. Take it, eat it. In the same way he took the cup. And after he'd given thanks, he, took, he passed it around. I think it was just one cup in those occasions. And they drank, this is my blood, which is poured out for you. I love you so much. I've laid down my life for you. Let's just give thanks, and then we'll distribute. Go ahead and distribute that now. Have you ever thought about the fact that when we have a meal together, which is what it was, a meal that Jesus had with his disciples, <clears throat> that he said, I want you to remember how often, he says, as often as you do this. It's interesting at the beginning of a meal, we oftentimes say grace. Isn't that right? I mean, usually we think about thanking God for the meal. Have you ever thought about the fact that sometimes when you stop to give thanks for the bread or for the meal, to also include and say, Lord, we want to thank you for yourself and your death on the cross. In addition to giving thanks for the food that we receive, maybe the Lord meant that every time you have a meal, take a moment to remember my death on the cross, how much I love you, how much I care. So the Lord broke his bread, <clears throat> distributed it to all of them. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Go ahead, take it, eat it all of you. In the same way, on the night, again, that he was betrayed, he took this cup and 
And the disciples had never seen anything like this before. He'd never said this before. Before it had just been wine, they were remembering the Passover. Now this was Jesus' blood. He says, this reminds you of his blood. I don't believe it changes in you when you take it. But it simply is a way of remembering that Jesus poured out his blood on the cross. That he really, totally died on the cross in my place, in your place. Which is so important to understand. There can be no resurrection if there is no complete death. So as he took the cup, he said to his disciples, take drink, this is my blood, which is poured out for the remission of your sins. Take it, all of you. Now, normally we'd have a closing song, but has the preacher gone a little long for that? Sandy, who's... Okay. Shall we just bring it to a conclusion here with a benediction? How about we do that? Would you just stand with me as we close? Father, I want to say thank you for your presence in this place. These people have come together by faith to seek you. Lord, would you just draw them to your heart? in an amazing way. And may this week be a time when they maybe step up one step closer to your heart. So Lord, you just bless them and keep them. Cause your face to shine upon them and be gracious unto them. Lord, you lift up your heart towards them and give them peace both now and forever. And everybody said, Amen. Well, God bless you. You're free to go in the name of Jesus. And pray for me for the second service. <laughs>